Welcome to First World Problems, the podcast episode number nine, brought to you by Melotov Records. You can visit them at melotovrecords.bigcartel.com. We're here with our special guest, Mr. Rob Moran, from bands like Unbroken, Over My Dead Body, Some Girls, The Vows, and more recently, Narrows. <laughs> Rob. Thank you very much for coming up. We do appreciate it. Thank you for having me, guys. We're, we're very glad when people say, yes, we would like to be on your podcast when really there's no reason for them to, besides being nice people. So thank you, Rob. No problem. I was going to be down the street anyway, so it worked out perfect. Yeah, perfect, perfect. See? We're just Not to mention the fat paycheck. All, <laughs> all we are is convenient. We just happen to live in Orange County. so well, I just love that you get like a free iPad for coming on. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. We are You're sp- welcome. Yeah, we Thanks, are sponsored guys. by Apple, so it's, a, it's another great perk of coming on First World Problems the podcast. <laughs> Tell your friends. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We've just got stacks of iPads. Yeah. Talking to you, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> And this week, we will be reviewing new records from Bright Eyes, Rotten in Hell, and Tim Hecker, as well as talking about the movie Cedar Rapids. Thank you very much for continually checking out our podcast, and for those first-time listeners, thank you for giving us a chance. Um, We've been enjoying getting the feedback from you awesome people on iTunes, you know, saying that our audio is terrible. Um, Not anymore. It's wow. it's improving. I mean, we're we're taking steps towards it. Um, we're obviously baby steps. Baby steps. I mean, obviously, us getting sponsored by Apple will definitely change the game a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, we appreciate the feedback you're giving us, and if you can continue to do that, that would be spectacular. We've got like I don't know, thirty five, thirty six reviews so far. So uh, keep that going. We appreciate that. And I realize that we also have never introduced ourselves, so all it is is random voices that you hear. I am Ray Harkins, and we have Joey Cahill and Scott. Say your fucking last Arnold. name. I don't like last names. Well, I don't want to be found out. Scott Arnold. You can... Who, who's going to find you out? I don't know. I'm looking for Rob's Wikipedia page because I'm. <laughs> Um, Moran Robert. Yes, Moran. Combo. My Wikipedia page. Yeah, I don't have one. At least I don't think I do. Yeah, well, no, I not never. Yet. <laughs> In about twenty minutes, you will. <laughs> Personal information. Yeah. <laughs> first world problems. First it is problems. definitely first world problems. Um, now we will move on to the quick hit section where we uh, talk about cool stuff that we like. Things we like. And the sounds that we like to hear before the quick hit section. <laughs> Why do you make a sound before you do that? It just started once and it just snowballed out of control. Yeah. yeah, it was a spontaneous event the first time and then... Now it's forced. Yeah. Maybe we should stop. No, well, it, it, people seem to like it. And he t- I've got, I've gotten, I've gotten a few tweets. Looking at saying, you, Sean. I know. <laughs> Looking at you, Sean. So people have tweeted that they like that intro sound. Yes, That's interesting. Sean. None of your business. It's very easy to please people. Yeah, it is. People can hear you. You make me anytime you whisper off you mic. Whisper. I have to edit out. Thank you, Scott. Um, so Joey, what's your uh, what's your quick hit for the uh, episode? Uh, well, my quick hit would be the television program Top Shot. Um, What's it on? The History Channel. Cool. Uh, it is a reality show about uh, finding the best marksman, and it's awesome. 
two episodes in. I uh, never watched the first season, but I caught the first or I caught the first episode of the season the other day, and I was immediately hooked. And I will continue to watch. And yeah. it's a very cool show. Yeah, just competitions, team challenges, and it's your basic reality com- reality show. It's like the challenge. The guys get into it with each other. They're all older and like military dudes, or a lot of them are military dudes. So they don't. There's it's not a lot of flat tops. Like. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of flat tops. It's but, a bunch of posse hardcore kids yeah. like, <laughs> shooting guns. Like. But I don't see there being. I mean, there'll be drama because there has to be. But I think there'll be drama between the professional shooters and the military. And there was there was drama last year where a dude was getting called a snitch. It was, it I was mean, there's. A, have you watched the season at all? I haven't yet. But there's a dude on the show who you watch and you'll immediately know that this dude is going to be hated by everyone. He's going to cause some problems. He's all right. Yeah, he sucks. That's cool. Yeah. So, but it's it's very good, very entertaining. Um, That's good. now I just want to go shoot guns. Yes, we will. We will go to a shooting range. There's a great shooting range in Brea. I've gone to. It's cool. fun. Cool. I've never shot a gun. Yeah, we'll do that immediately. Rob, have you ever shot a gun? <laughs> <laughs> Once. <laughs> Once. We're laughing because we already did this once. Yeah, I just shoot it once. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I didn't. You the... you do it again though. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get the the gun bug like I was told I was gonna get, <laughs> but it was totally fun to like, you know, go shoot, you know, some some pistols and stuff. Some targets. Yeah, I had a good time. Did yeah. You, did you feel like a video game? No, I feel like a man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I grew up a little. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things where it's like the anticipation of shooting for the first time is way worse than when you actually do it. Like you know, you get this like, oh my god! Like, after, especially after the first shot, because you're just like, holy crap! Like, yeah, I was terrified. Like when yeah. they were, you know, because I was telling you guys, like I when we went to do it, it's like we finished doing the basic tracks of the Narrows records, and then. Uh, for the Narrows LP, and then we went to shoot guns because Jody and I had never shot a gun before. So we all went to the shooting range, and it was super fun. But when we got there watching everyone shoot, and then they're like, okay, now it's your turn. And I was shaking. And the guy gave me a little twenty two pistol, which is like, the, I think, the tiniest pistol there is. I don't know. But he taught us, how to, taught us how to load the clip. He fired off the clip and said, now, okay, now it's your turn to load the clip. And I was shaking, and the bullets were in my hand shaking. The guy's like, they're not going to blow up in your hand. Just yeah. shove them in the clip. Come and on, I was, girl. Yeah. And then uh, it was funny because uh, Jody from Narrows goes, you're Mexican. Why are you scared of guns? <laughs> it was pretty funny. Per- that, it was perfect. That's totally perfect. Yeah, and then I fired the gun, and it was like a BB gun, basically. Yeah. It was such tiny, so we moved up to the 9 millimeter. And it was it was fun. I had a good time. Like, but I don't know why people are crazy about it. But, right? But yeah. People have safes of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but it's fun. Well, I understand why people keep guns in safes. Don't misconstrue that wording of like, <laughs> oh, Ray, Ray looks like he endorses Ray keeps people. His guns. He's got like twelve guns. Just keeps on the kitchen counter. <laughs> yeah, just for anybody to pick up and use. You know. Children. Yeah, dogs. whoever. It's fun for the whole. But I, I I plan on shooting guns this weekend, so I'll come back with a, a full report. Going? Uh, the Wonderful City of Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, for what? You, do you need a reason to go I, to Las Vegas? Uh, yeah. and, and I like how you you, you never you, you have conversations on here, like yeah. conversations that reveal personal information. No. And you are so concerned about revealing your last name. I, I think you're a little hypocritical, Arnold. Scott. Scott Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to hear what our, our special guest, Rob, has picked out for his uh, his quick hit of the episode. 
my quick hit of the episode. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to this this kid from England called Zoo Kid for the past month or so. He's like this 16-year-old like phenom musician kid. Mm-hmm. And he, it sounds like Billy Bragg, kind of. Oh, wow. And it's hard to believe, like, lyrically and musically, this music is coming from this kid. It's got the soul of someone who's lived a very emotional long life I and mean, yeah. it's unbelievable it's really really good stuff and uh so yeah that's that's what i've been listening to and that's nice. kind of my does he have official releases out and stuff? he only has a seven inch out like um and i actually uh mail ordered it i've been waiting a few months and it was finally available about three weeks ago and it just came in the mail oh nice like a few days ago so i'm really excited and uh yeah, and, and it's got an A-side, B-side, just a two-song, seven-inch, but really, really good. And I don't think he has anything else on the horizon like that I know of. Like I kind of go to his uh, Facebook and stuff all the time to see what he's doing. I feel weird stalking this 16-year-old kid, <laughs> but yeah. but his music is, is unbelievable. So that's nice. kind of what I've been listening yeah. is to. He, is he in like the punk world over there? No, he's not a punk rock kid at all. He's just like some just- little kid that just – Plays guitar and sings incredibly. Like, nice. Yeah. So if you go to YouTube and look up Zoo Kid and look for this song called "Out Getting Ribs," like it will blow your mind. Like wow. it's, it's. I posted on Facebook and people, like friends all over that I didn't even think would be into it, were like, "Where'd you find this kid? Like, what is? It? It's unbelievable. Nice. Like, it's really good. I will so get definitely. on it now before Pitchfork ruins it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Pitchfork. <laughs> Yeah, we have a lot of people that that don't even know what Pitchfork is that listen to our <laughs> podcast. So you're safe, Rob. Well, thank thank you for the quick hit. I will definitely check that out. Yeah, we definitely will check that out. Um, Scott, do you have your quick hit picked out for the uh, the episode? I do. It's an article. Okay. What's the article about? Paul Haggis versus the Church of Scientology. Okay. Paul Haggis is the writer of Million Dollar Baby. Crash. Crash and director of Crash. Yep. And he was um, a member of the church for 35 years. And he was born into the church, right? Like his mom. No. Sure. Yeah, he moved here. From he was, I think he's Canadian. Yeah, I think he's. I, I thought, thought his family was like he was raised as a Scientologist. Um. Yeah. Anyway, and I think two years ago he left the church, and I'm not going to spoil the article. So it's like 20 pages. Yeah, it's a pretty, and that was in the New Yorker, right? Yeah. Yeah, I heard his his interview on NPR actually yeah. talking about that that whole article and it was interesting. You think it's it's strange to me that it would take someone thirty five years to realize that they've been <laughs> fucked over like right. that and right. by religion. But I guess that's why we have so many problems because everyone's fucked over by religion. I guess to some extent, sure, we get sure. a lot of a lot of issues here and there. But like I, yeah, it was it was a really good interview with him. They were talking about in the article how. It's a level system where, like, the more time and studying you put into it, the higher you get. And they don't, like, none of the information is public, like, what you learn at these higher levels. And at one point, a major magazine got a hold of, like, level eight, the highest level at the time. And it was, like, crazy stuff. Like, you you get your own planet and, like, all this insane alien stuff. <laughs> It made me want to join. <laughs> if you get your own goddamn planet, yeah, sign me up. Yeah. Well, it's similar to Mormonism. Like, that you get your own planet and you're supposed to populate it with all your sister wives. What? What? Really? That yeah. You've works? never. No. Are... Scott, why do you think that they that practice polygamy? 
the magic See, glasses. They got to fill that to. planet. It was convenient. Exactly. No. <laughs> magic glasses <laughs> and the magic underwear that they wear. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, look look into that, Scott. I promise. You get a planet. Yes, yeah, Scott. You get your own planet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're gonna look into Mormonism now? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Make a hybrid. All right. <laughs> Mormonism. A scientific Mormon. Like, so. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. Well, thank you for the recommendation, Scott. Yeah. Uh, my quick hit is going to be a podcast, even though we shouldn't recommend other podcasts. I do it almost all the time. I know, but I mean, this should be the only podcast people listen to. Well, not really. It's true. But, um, it's the uh, WTF podcast with Mark Marin. He's a uh, stand-up comedian. And I'm sure we already did that. No. Nope. We've never done that. Oh. Yeah, they check the other yeah. episodes. We reference it. It's on our wiki, Scott. Um, the Yeah, he's a stand-up comedian, and he's just you know kind of started up his own little quote-unquote podcasting empire. He has fellow comedians come on, and um, he's just, I mean, he's super neurotic, like really funny, um, asks super uncomfortable questions of his guests because <laughs> he usually is really good friends with them, so it's like... You know, uh, he has the ability to kind of get answers from people that you normally never would be like, oh, wow, you're that, you know, you can be that honest with him. Um, he did an episode with Patton Oswalt where he just talked for the first like 20 minutes about how much he hates Patton. Just like, hey, I hate that you're successful. Like we can still be friends, but I hate that you're successful. Um, so yeah, it's just a really fun look at the way. And he also talks a lot about, you know, the stand up comedian world and, you know, how tough it is and how tough it is to make a living doing that job. So it's just, I'm literally subscribing right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you haven't heard it? No. It's very cool. Uh, Scott was the one who exposed me to an it's interview. Very long in the tongue. He, he's, yeah. He, but, very, if, but if he's being funny, then it's all right. Yeah. But a lot of it's like just a monologue about his. No, the first. Us- usually, the first 15 minutes is a monologue that you know you you can kind of skip over. But he recently did an interview with Gallagher. You know the. Oh no! Was way. it him or his brother? Yeah. It was it was him the and Gallagher. It w- he walked out on the interview. Gallagher was pissed because oh, basically he need want- to find that episode. No, that sounds amazing. It was amazing because he started to because uh, Gallagher has been accused of being like super homophobic and like yeah. including like really? racist jokes. Yeah, um, just to you know get a quick laugh, quote unquote. Um, and so you know Mark Marin, like he was trying to be nice because he didn't know Gallagher and he was yeah. trying to be like nice to him, but um, Gallagher wasn't having anything of it. And I need to listen to that, dude. It's it's good. And so. Gallagher walked off. Yeah, he walked out of the hotel room. Did and he just, smash watermelons on the no, <laughs> that would be pretty funny. He did. I don't think he had a mallet with him. Did I really like the Ira Glass one because you could tell that uh, Mark, what's his last name? Mark Marin. He like totally yeah loved Ira Glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was. And that's the thing. Like, he's just so honest about, like, not only his own life, but uh, however he's feeling about his guest that he has on. Like, yeah. it's just, it's a fun podcast. Start with the Louis C.K. one. I was just going to say, uh, yeah. is, are they dated? Like, if I go back and listen, is it, they're not talking about, like, topical stuff. No, I mean, the, the monologue he does at the beginning, sometimes he promotes, like, his most recent comedy show or whatever, but you can pass but, that. Yeah. But the interviews are. Interviews are spot on. Like, the Louis C.K. one's all about them. Like having a fallout as friends. Yeah, I never thought Louis C.K. was that funny. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't know until the show. Him. Have you seen his show? Well, I didn't see his current show, but I saw the Life with Louis that was on HBO. Oh yeah, his new one's way better. Really? Yeah, because that Life with Louis one I didn't think was that. Great. It's it's. It, I mean, Louis, you either like Louis C.K. or you don't. It's yeah. he's super uncomfortable, you know, especially oh. his new show. It's oh. like, yeah, I love him too, but so I could easily. I can easily see why people are like, not so much, you know? Yeah. So, Have you read anything about how he does that show? 
The Mark Marin does the no Louis C.K. does his show. Oh yeah, he gets a gigantic advance, and he, not even that, well, it's gigantic, but it's not relative to television. Like, right? He yeah, F you know, FX control over everything. Totally, spends he every dime the way he wants to spend. Yeah, he writes, directs, does everything. It, it's a pretty cool. I mean, it, it's a model that now people speak to other television networks, being like, "Hey, give me the Louis C.K. deal." <laughs> it's like yeah. it give me the total control, and I'm able to give you a show. Just because he knows how to like edit himself too. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways. So do you think are those comedy shows? Those are real comedy shows. What do you in, mean? in the what's the new show? Louis. Louis. Yeah. Are those just real shows that he happens to be taping, or are those specifically? For- oh, he specifically tapes those for Louis. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because he, I stayed at a friend's place in New York, and like right across the street is the Comedy Cellar. Oh, really? And I was like, oh, that's where Louis C.K. films his show. So, cool. but anyways, yeah, Mark Marin, WTF podcast. At points, it can be annoying, but it's super cool. I am now subscribed. Good, check it out. I plan on it. Do you listen to podcasts, Rob? I have a few. I listened to the Ricky Gervais one for a long time. That one is really good. Yeah, that is yeah. good. Deathcast. Listen to the Death Wish one a lot. Oh yeah. They don't. They they obviously don't do it very regularly. Yeah, it's like every few months they put one out. And then Jarvis from Pulp used to have a great one years ago called Jarvcast. Oh, and I used to listen to his all the time, and he would read like stories or talk about music or whatever. It's really cool. That's cool. Podcasts are great. <laughs> all right, now we'll move into the music review section of our podcast. And we'll do this in alphabetical order. So uh, we'll go ahead and start off with the new Bright Eyes record called The People's Key. Prepare myself for another life. Forgive myself for the many times I was cruel to something helpless and weak. But here I come, that heavy love. I'm never going to move it alone. Here I come, that this is uh connor oberst's ninth Eighth. full length eighth eighth I counted it wrong on Wikipedia. Yeah. Which one are you? I must have been counting. Noise Floor doesn't count. That's true. That, and that, that the collection doesn't count. Well, yeah. I think I counted the collection knowing that it wasn't a, technically a full length. So then what? Actually, you know what I should do? In the future, I'll just say stu- like studio albums that are compiled. So studio albums because that's how yeah. I counted on Wikipedia. But yeah, 8th or ninth, depending on... The terminology you are right exactly and joey will always be the first to correct me and i appreciate that <laughs> you keep best. you keep me honest um it's on saddle creek as it always was um which is it's kind of surprising that he never did a record with you know like capital or someone like he always that. had like sony publishing though the whole time yeah. yeah makes a lot of money to that i'm sure but um yeah, I mean, if you you know aren't familiar with Bright Eyes, you can do some simple research. And he was the indie poster child in the early 2000s, dated celebrities, and you know was in fashion magazines. Did he date? Winona Ryder. Really? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he he was quite quite the dude. <laughs> it was always funny seeing him in like 
people right or us weekly you know, yeah yeah celebrities are just like us right they, they cross <laughs> the street Con- too. yeah Connor <laughs> buying dogs. oranges yeah that's from to- a guy on a corner that's <laughs> totally what it was um so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a few years since he's released some new music. Um, so this is a very hotly anticipated record. And um, Scott, would you be willing to uh, start things off? First of all, giving your opinion on Bright Eyes in general, if you were ever a fan. I was a very uh, light fan of Bright Eyes. I liked the I just liked the record because it had a mirror on it. Fevers and mirrors. Yeah. Or you just like the layout? I like the layout that actually had a mirror on it. Yeah, that's like the first reason I bought it. I really liked that one. Up until the there was a time when he released two records at the same time, um, Digital Ash and Digital Urn. Yeah, yeah. Then and that, what was the? I can't remember. Wide Awake, it's morning. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I really liked the non-digital one, um, and then I stopped listening for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of nice to go back and it just kind of sounded like more of the same to me. Um, the record was bookmarked by these weird monologue of a it sounded like a cowboy saying something scary mm-hmm. and that was like the most interesting part to me like sorry connor <laughs> you, you, you you liked his intro and his outro the best yeah that was like i was most like pulled into that it was i mean it was and the there was the last i think it was either track nine or track ten that was like really piano driven and slow mm-hmm. i thought that was the strongest track outside of the cool monologue sure well it got you interested yeah that's cool. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll go because I, I think I already have a, a sense on what uh, what Joey feels about the record. <laughs> um, I I would say I'm maybe a little more less indifferent than Scott on Bright Eyes. Like I enjoyed him, but I definitely never made the full commitment to him as far as like, dude, Bright Eyes, the real deal. Um, I loved. I got into him shortly after uh, or shortly before the fevers and mirrors record because randomly taken played a show with bright eyes the shea cafe oddly enough we just That's got th- yeah insane it was weird i mean there was like 40 people there and so but it was cool to see him in the context of you know playing a random show together mm-hmm. um so yeah this record was uh it 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 definitely was the best thing sent in my opinion since like lifted i really loved that lifted record um yeah i wasn't a fan of too much of the digital ash digital urn that type of stuff um so yeah, this reminded me a lot of the Despacito's record that he did as well um and i loved that record i thought it was really cool just you know his basically his rock based material um i and, he did when he was like 14 no no that was uh, commander venus oh. um Despacitos was that like 2002 yeah somewhere it was a, it was after lifted, lifted yeah it was yeah. right around that same time yeah but um yeah, so this record had a lot of songs that did remind me of that, and then other of his, you know, kind of, you know, different expanding on his sound and stuff like that. So while I wasn't like over the moon on the record, I enjoyed revisiting it and, re- you know, listening to more music that he put out, but not like losing my shit over. So, uh, Rob, what did uh, what yeah. did you think of the record? I mean, I was never a big Bright Eyes fan. Um, I mean, like, I, I appreciated, you know, that stuff and cursive and all that saddle creek stuff like two gallants and that type of thing you know Mm -hmm. it was you know i appreciated what that label was doing but i was never a big bright eyes guy up until about maybe seven eight months ago i got introduced to this track called uh make a plan to love me Mm -hmm. i don't know what album it's off of but um 
it's a really, really good track. And I was like, maybe I should kind of start digging into this Bright Eye stuff a little bit more. And so I kind of started, like, just listening to random tracks here and there. And, and, you know, like, I do enjoy it. I don't love it, but I do like it. It's good stuff to listen to. Um, and then the album, you know, I didn't know what to expect because I don't, I never anticipate a Bright Eyes record. Right. So it was kind of interesting. <laughs> you, don't, you don't celebrate his entire catalog. Yeah. So I was never like, you know, oh my God, I can't wait to listen to this. So it was kind of interesting to like you saying, okay, listen to the record and let me know what you think. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And there was like some really cool moments on it. Like this song called Shell Games, like had this amazing lyric, like my private life is an inside joke. No one will explain to me. Like, I thought that was incredible. Like, it's just such a witty line and especially going through some of the things that like I've gone through in recent months. Like it just is a, I don't know. It, it hit home hit, for you. Hit home on so many levels. Um, he's he's always been not to interrupt you, but yeah. he's always been noted as being. People have called him the Bob Dylan of our generation. Like that's when he was <laughs> when he was getting the hype in yeah. the early two thousands. Like that's what people Cover were saying. Rolling Stone. Yeah, I mean, like so his lyrics have always been such such an important part of what he was yeah. as opposed to just like you know a singer songwriter that has average lyrics and average music yeah i mean he definitely like that's what i i liked about some of the bright eyes stuff that i've heard is lyrically it's it's very well thought out and it hits home for certain things um and i think that song that scott talked about is probably my favorite track on the album too i think it's called um approximate sunlight mm-hmm. and it kind of has this cool like kind of portis head kind of vibe to it um I don't know. It just had a really cool sound to it that I just didn't didn't expect mm-hmm. uh, off the record. Because the way it was sounding, it was far from that vibe, and that song just kind of came out of nowhere. And I, I thought that was by far like the best track. But it's a good record. Yeah, I liked it. Cool, Joey. Yes, <clears throat> uh, I think it's safe to say I'm probably the biggest Bright Eyes fan yeah. here. I've I love Bright Eyes. You do celebrate his I, entire catalog. I mean, the earlier stuff, like... Right. You know, it's cool that he was, like, 14. Right. But I pretty much celebrate his entire catalog. Yeah. Um, and this record will fit very nicely into that collection. I I love this record. It's It's been a long time since the last Brothers record, and I think it's much needed. I think the the solo, quote-unquote solo records he put out, or the Mystic Valley Band records were okay mm-hmm. so i think this is back to what I, back to what i would have wanted and i love it i think the record it's diverse whereas you know i think a lot of his records kind of have like the same sound like each record says a specific sound that he's kind of going after and i think this one kind of yeah it's definitely kind varied. of encompasses all of what bright Eyes has done sure um i definitely hear the desperacitos in some songs um the song i'm gonna butcher Butcher the name. Holly Selassie. Holly Selassie? That's the one. Yeah. Uh, reminds me of, like, um, the Every Day and Every Night EP. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, so if it really is, as he says, the last Bright Eyes record, then I think it's a good way to go. Yeah. Um, hopefully that's not the case. It's a good that, – it's a, that's a really good point. That's a cool – it's a cool bookend to his career. If it, I mean, as Bright Eyes, where it's just like it kind of takes everything of what he's done over the f- I mean, know, fifteen years. There's and, song, uh, you know, songs that could be on the the Digital Ash record. There's songs yeah. that could be on, you know, pretty much any true. record. Like if you if you take it apart, so you know, like I said, hopefully it's not his last record, and he does keep Bright Eyes going, yeah, in some way, shape, or form. Um, but this, I mean, it's February, so I can't really. 
No, you'll put it on your top. 10 oh, it'll right be in my now. top ten. But it, <laughs> at, at this point, this is the number one record. Oh wow! Uh, okay. You know, it's a big yeah. statement. You know, we'll, we'll exactly. That's, <laughs> I mean, we'll talk in May. Currently when the in the lead. When yeah. the Manchester Orchestra record comes out, everything everything could change. <laughs> but um, for right now, yeah, this record is number one incredible. with a bullet. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Um, we do a star rating system, Rob. So, mm-hmm. um, Scott, what, what would you give it star wise? Uh, a week three star. Yeah, a week three. So is that two and a half then? Oh yeah, we're doing halves. You can't do half. half. Two and a half. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'd say it's it's a let's do a three and a quarter. <laughs> is this out of five or is this it's out, out of four? five? Yeah, out of five. I'd say three and a half, four stars. But I'd say four stars. Like, okay. I really enjoyed it. Nice, cool, Joey. I, oh, I can't give it. Giving the record to five, like that's. That's hard. That's a bold That's state. a perfect record. Fevers and Mirrors, that's a five. Okay. Lifted is a five. But if this is already your favorite record of 2011, how can it not be a five? Good that's point. what I want to know. Only fives should be in a top ten list. Good point. That's just being well, a music snob. But, but see, just, for me, only fives are... I'm just are, calling you out, Only Joey. fives are perfect I'm just records. trying to make you... <laughs> Admit that this may not be the best record of 2011. It might not be. At this point, it is. But As, if that is, then that means it'd be a five. Only fives belong on a 2011, Joey. I, 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 think diff- I think differently. Okay. For me, Wait, five, you would put a one on your list? No, 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 no. No. <laughs> I just, if it's a five, it's a five. I'm, I'm just kidding. No, I, I don't have that you, much Rob. investment in that. <laughs> um, I would give it a four and a half. <laughs> With potential of leaning towards a five. Oh, this potential. It's the what, what would what would make it le- fall into the five category? What it's would the more, the more so I it's standing? To it, oh, the more you listen. The more to I listen it. to it, maybe it'll. The more you cuddle with that. Exactly. Album. I get to know it a little time. better. You know, see where it's coming from. I think I need to separate you guys for a moment. Yeah, that's the only person Joey's ever cussed at besides I, me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was great, Rob. That was great, and I would never expect Rob to elicit the. Re- I mean, obviously, I loved yeah. it. It was good. Yeah, it was a great exchange. Good I just wanted to make sure he really loved that. Yeah, I do. Do you Thinking critical is a skill we need to practice here. Oh, and yeah. let me chime in more thing. The layout on the vinyl is unbelievable. The le- just the the cover is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at it; it's, you're not gonna be able to tell, but it's die cut, mm-hmm. um, like flame, tri- triple gatefold, and, yeah, and it's yeah. like got this. Is it three LPs or two? A single LP, um, like a metallic sheen to it. It's it's awesome. Nice. The layout's very cool, and the package, the deluxe package that Saddle Creek did, was unbelievable. It came with a a seven inch with two extra songs. So. Would the would the layout be considered a five? Yes. The okay. layout would be considered yeah. nice. So is that would make it fall into the five category. If it was <laughs> it could, a four and a half. Could. You keep looking at the layout, the more you cuddle with that album and go, oh my God. I do this sleep with it every five. night. I this is it. a five. I really, really enjoy <laughs> that terminology of cuddling with the record. Because that yeah. honestly that brings like such a good visual to like records it's like yeah i need to because people always say i need to spend more time with it cuddling makes it sound so so sweet but the thing is it sounds like lame and cheesy but that's just how i feel that's true when i really love a record i love nothing more than to like put it on and just like yeah embrace it It sounds cheesy but i'm a music nerd and so that's my dude that's perfect i love it all right, so uh, good time, Rob. Yeah, good times. Joey. Good times. <laughs> with the uh, with the Bright Eyes record, I think anyone could could kind of jump in at this point and you know get into the Bright Eyes. Even if even if this is the it's first a good record. starting point. It's a great if, starting if you've point. never heard them. Yeah, for and sure. And then move backwards. So yeah, check it out. Even if you're a remote fan. Yes. Um, now let's dive into the Rotten Hell record called "As Pearls Before Swine."
This is their uh, first full length, first official full length. Is it? They have a bunch of records. They though. have well, they have a million seven inches. Yeah, but this album had been floating, I think, on the Death Wish shelves for like a little while. It took a little while for it to put out. I think it was recorded a while ago. I think it was too. It was yeah. supposed to come out like last year sometime. Um, yeah. But. Yeah. So it's their first. So. Technic- I mean, it's their first official full length, even though they've existed for quite some time as a band. They're from the UK, um, and they uh, I won't go into their, their sound, because that's obviously what we'll do here. Um, so yeah, I uh, want to hear what you thought about the record, Joey. Uh, I liked it. I did not love it. I liked it. Uh, it's growing on I've listened to it quite a few times. The first time I heard it, I was not into it, mm-hmm. uh, but the more I listened to it, the more I kind of got what they were doing. I mean, it's definitely, you know... Holy Terror, uh, I think very ringworm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more I listen to it, the more I like it. I think the back half of the record uh, stands out to me more than the front half. There's kind of some, I think, weirder elements. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a cool listen. I enjoy it. I enjoy the artwork. Um, artwork is really cool. I mean, I haven't seen the vinyl packaging as of cool. yet. It's awesome. Really? Yeah. It just it looks it's just cool. I mean, any time. A band obviously, you know, puts out a record and takes care of their imagery. It's like, good job, guys. Like, you didn't just, you know, put a crappy Photoshop <laughs> photo on your cover. I mean, it was a record. I, I figured I would eventually buy it, but I ordered it when I did, kind of based on mm-hmm. the cover art. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that funny? Because we really don't do that anymore. Like, back when we were younger, we we didn't know what the band was, and you'd see the cover and go, I want to buy this record yeah. because yeah. the cover looks cool. Like, right. You know, it's kind of cool that yeah. So in in a pet, it works. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, definitely does. Um, cool, Rob. What did you uh, What did you think of that? Have you you've played with this band? Yeah, played with them uh, twice, and uh, once with Unbroken and once with Narrows. Narrows, yeah. Okay, cool. in the same year. That's just kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, they're great live. Like really good lives. Singers got so much energy. It's like, it's cool. Like I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of Rotten Hell. Like, cool. I think as a band, I, I think they're taking their own spin on that whole holy terror thing. Like I totally get that integrity ringworm right. type of type of thing. But it's kind of like their interpretation of it, and it's like a new. I don't know, kind of a fresh take on on that sound because it's easily to get caught in doing chugga chugga mosh riffs and mid tempo beats and stuff like that. But I think they do it in a different way, um, and I, I really like it. And live, I think they're great. Yeah. Um, and you know, top it all off, like I always have this thing, like you know, if you don't like a band, you don't like a band, whether you're friends with the people or not. And I am friends with a couple of the guys in the band, and um, but. I, I legitimately do like their band. I do listen to it often. Nice. And uh, and the fact that they're good live and they're good people on top of it, it just makes you really appreciate what they're doing. Yeah. Because um, I know it's not – it's so easy to be like, oh, it's an integrity knockoff or it's this or that. But I think it's 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 much better than – you know, to write it off as some sort of in- integrity knockoff. I think it's they're, – they're doing something really special and, um, you know, and there's some – some tracks that I've gotten that they've sent me that aren't on the album that they're working on. And it's like crazy kind of like acoustic singy stuff, but oh, it wow. sounds dark. Yeah. Like it's sounds evil. Like, it, I don't know. It's like a, I think it's like a B side or something, but anyway, it, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think they're a good band. 
Yeah, I mean, I get the vibe with the band that they're obviously, you know, artistic. They're not just playing in a band just to play in a band, you know. They're definitely, um, you know, they have a more meaningful message behind it. And, you know, it's not just simply to get on a stage and play. So that's cool that they yeah. obviously included you on the, uh, you know, weirder side of Rotten Hell. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, Scott, what do you think of the record? Um, this is a record that I can appreciate for the potential of what it might be live. But... As I grow old, <laughs> it's just something that Scott's twenty five. <laughs> Are you really twenty five? Yeah. Because <laughs> well, you act much older than that, yeah. so you don't yeah. act like Come you're twenty five. And that well, and that's the that's the continual joke that we have about Scott because he, even though he has grown up in independent music, he doesn't. You know, the stuff that he listens to definitely doesn't reflect a lot of what we review on the show. Yeah, he's, so, an, he's an independent man. He is yeah. very much so. So, sorry. Okay. Anyway, so the record, um, listening to the record in headphones, it it sounds like something that would be awesome to see live, and like you can tell there's a certain intensity there, and like everything has a purpose, but it's too much for my headphones. Right. <laughs> it's a yeah. It's not. It's not your basic uh, working slash coding music. Exactly. But I mean, I could. Yeah. Yeah, that's enough. No, I there. Appreciate well said, Scott. Thank you. Yes, very, yes. very well. Much better than your normal. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, great review, Scott. Um, I think I lie somewhere in between Joey and Rob. Um, like I, I liked. The, I definitely didn't like the record initially. I listened to it, you know, three or four times, and was just like, eh, it just it, it didn't flip my switch, so to speak. Um, but then the more and more I listened to it, um, I definitely got a perspective on where they're coming from. Um, I do appreciate the fact that they're from the UK. I mean, that obviously adds any, what it just, I mean, obviously it adds a flavor because I mean, it, it's easy to be a band. I mean, obviously it's easy to be a band anywhere at this point, but it definitely takes a level of commitment if you don't live in the States to be recognized anywhere outside of it, you know, where are they from Manchester and Leeds? Um, so it's cool that, you know, they've obviously committed themselves to it. And, uh, you know, you know, like another band, like Rise and Fall. It's like, you know, Rise and Fall has been playing for years and years and years. And it's like only in the past, you know, four or five of people in the state started to take notice. And so it's cool that Rotten Hell is obviously, you know, making their impact over here. Um, I definitely would. Uh, I haven't purchased the record yet, uh, but I plan on doing so. Uh, definitely, like you were saying, Joey, with the artwork is, you know, kind of what pushes me over the edge. Um so yeah, basically a fan of anything aesthetically remotely resembling, you know, hardcore, what Death Wish puts out, that type of stuff, you're going to be pleased by this record. There's no, you wouldn't purchase it and be like, oh, this is terrible. Like, this, this sounds is, like this. Right. This, uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if you know that you are interested in that at all, you would, uh, you'd be well served to uh, purchase the record. So, but would I completely lose my mind over it? No, but like Scott, I definitely want to see the band live and you know experience all that they have because it definitely enhances my appreciation, especially of hardcore records, um, where it's like you know that putting out a record is definitely preparation for a live environment because yeah. that's obviously where most bands get it done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Scott. Star-wise, what would you give it? Um, a light three for potential. Okay, light three. I like this light. What's a heavy three? 
It's like trending. Yeah, it's trending okay. up. Um, you're going to hear a... Never mind. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Joey? Well, I guess based on Scott's three, I have to give it a 3.5. Okay. Three and a half. Um, I know. We know Scott's on his own agenda, though. But I... Yeah. Yeah. I see this record, me enjoying this record, more and more the more I listen to it. Sure. Um, but yeah, we'll say, we'll say three and a half. Cool. I, I give it a solid four. Nice. Yeah, I'd give it... I'd give it... I, well, yeah, I, a three. I guess trending towards a three and a half, but... Uh, just Scott, of course, ruins everything. <laughs> just kidding, Scott. You don't ruin everything. You know. You know what's funny is as we're doing these reviews, uh, Scott keeps grabbing out his iPad and researching things and showing. Is this it? Is this what you're talking about? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I know. Nor- normally, most people do that before the show. Normally, Scott. <laughs> normally, we actually listen to the records before, yeah. but Scott will be like, oh, "Stop." He's, <laughs> he's got his iPod on now, listening to it. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's coming up next? Right. <laughs> give me. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Look, he's loading it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. Well, yeah, so uh, check out the Rotten Hell record. We, we definitely overall recommend it. Rob is definitely our most forward guest. He's calling, he's calling everybody out. He's calling everybody <laughs> Joey, out. Are you sure? <laughs> this is good. This, these are the type of guests that we need. Trying to create, Did you do your research? <laughs> trying to create controversy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the last record we're reviewing, which is uh, we should just have a section or a little intro called Scott's Picks, <laughs> where uh, Scott selects a record for us that definitely falls outside of the parameters of what our many... listeners are listening for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's good because sometimes those records kind of blow people away where it's like, I never would have checked that out if it wasn't for and Scott then, Arnold. Is this where you play the music from? I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy <laughs> it. Sounds yeah. so you just do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you hear that? <laughs> that this, this, by that's the way, an impromptu Tim Hecker. That's that is definitely an impression of Tim Hecker from Joey and Rob. Thank you very much. But uh, yeah, so Tim Hecker put out a record called Rave Death, nineteen seventy-two. Let's listen to a little bit of it. So uh, this is welcome back. I know, wel- welcome back. Hopefully, you didn't crash a car or anything like that. Um, this is his uh, his latest released on. Cranky- no, your speakers weren't broken. <laughs> his latest release on Cranky Records, which is uh, made me cranky. Nah, but uh, this this is gonna be this is gonna be a stand up. <laughs> He has the record. He has a record it. pulled up on his iPod. This I know. is my favorite thing. He's, Look at he's ready. Uh, it's his. Uh, it's his sixth full length. Jesus, I know. He's. I mean, this guy is extremely he's, prolific. He's prolific. <laughs> he is very prolific. <laughs> um, he's. Uh, he's. He's toured with ISIS before. That's where I've seen him previously. Um, I've seen him actually twice. What does he do? Isn't he like a record producer? I don't uh, know. No, he's a laptop guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I figured that, but. 
I yeah. don't know if he like, he, like stuff. Not, not really. He's no. just always kind of put out his own his own music. Uh, Scott's gonna look it up. Yeah, he's pre- he's he's performed under different names and what have you. But um, the best description that people use to describe what he does is a structured ambient, <laughs> um, which it means that you know he actually tries to create a sort of song structure as opposed to just you know soundscape after soundscape. You can hear. Rep- I know Joey's giving me a face like, what are you talking about? But he does repeat parts as opposed to, you know, just one, even though some people could argue that it's just white noise. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of the uh, the vibe that Tim Hecker is going for. He's um, from the same, like, I don't know, collective is the right word. It's like the Godspeed yes. group of people. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's... Uh, like artists right he does a lot of he does a lot of remixes for people he's yeah. done a remix for isis done one for yesu and so he, you know, he travels in the sort of noise community which obviously is what what some of these <laughs> some of our reviewers may be defining that as um so let, let's just go ahead and start it off with joey um <clears throat> what did uh, what did you think of this uh, quote-unquote record i kind of just uh, Speechless, I guess. I I don't even know what to what to say. (laughs) Yeah. Um. I guess my question is to to Scott. When in the hell would you be like? I'm gonna listen to this Tim Hecker record. (laughs) Like I can even imagine like like I'm gonna do some coding tonight. I'm gonna put on the Tim Hecker record. That doesn't make sense to me. This will be addressed in my review. Okay, thank you. I'll look forward to it. (laughs) Uh, It honestly, to me, it was like. It was like the score to some creepy movie. That's all I got the entire time. Okay. This movie's going to be awesome, but this music sucks by itself. Sure. I mean, I can't – usually with Scott's reviews, I can appreciate them, mm-hmm. even though most – or not Scott's reviews, but Scott's records right. um, a lot of times. It's something I would never listen to, but I can appreciate where they're coming from and appreciate the, the, the talent. Sure. This, this one. This one did not This one did not cut the mustard <laughs> on that one. I would <laughs> – this could be – this this <laughs> this makes Hashuka look like the best record of the year. This, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I th- controversy I th- today. Yeah, I I, I, th- I think we get it. <laughs> and Joey's referencing a record called Hashuka that we reviewed maybe like three or four episodes ago. That was all piano-driven German composer music. So that's a little. And back. It sounds like a nightmare. Was, fucking, was, was genius. Compared to the... Compared really? to the, <laughs> I was like, really? No, no, no. It's like yeah. Philip Glass, like minimalist, like yeah. just hoo-ha going on. Yeah. Like. But compared to this, good God. Yeah. And, um, and when Scott did... I'll reference this as well. When Scott did email us his pick, he already preemptively apologized to Joey and, <laughs> and, and theoretically Rob because we were passing this record on to Rob for review. So, so thanks, Scott. You're welcome. I pre- it, was, it, was a good, it was a good listen. I had a, sure. I had a good laugh at it. You know, I mean, you have to travel the world, see new things, and this is part of that. Yes, this is true. Never going back there. It's challenging. It is challenging. Um, Knowing kind of where Rob is probably going to land on this record, I'll break up the maybe two potential bad reviews in a row. Okay. Um, I uh, This type of stuff, I definitely have grown to really enjoy and appreciate overall, over time. Um, I mean, whatever, 17, 18-year-old me would listen to it and be like, this is a piece of dog shit. Like, I don't even understand what's happening with this. Um, I don't know. I mean, and I feel like pretentious saying that, like as I've grown older, like a fine wine, I appreciate this (laughs) music and this record. But 
there's just something about, um, especially, I mean, because I've seen him twice and because, you know, a- anything that is remotely connected to ISIS, I'll probably like. But I have a question. Please jump in real quick. Please. What does he do live? It's awful. It's, yeah. I it, mean, is it just like a laptop and a, knobs or you just sit there with the laptop? No, and he's like, it's like literally like watching Joey. Like, right. It's, it's in the dark. <laughs> yeah. It's him in a laptop and then that's what he does. In an hour of. Yeah, yeah, and he was opening, so it was, and he had a mixer like this, yeah. um, and he was opening, so he didn't like have the visuals and production that he might have yeah. when he's. I saw, yeah. I saw him randomly. He was playing in Toronto, and we were playing at a club upstairs, and he was playing downstairs. So I watched a few of his songs, and he had more, like Scott said, of a like. It's not just a dude yeah, standing with a laptop, but. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what he does live. Clearly. Was he showing three amigos behind him or something to keep people entertained? <laughs> <laughs> Three good, I, three amigos is definitely the vibe that he would be going for. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I I enjoyed the record overall. Um, I mean, it's definitely not something I ever listened to in a context of doing anything beyond just like having his background noise, you know. Um, but yeah, like I'm never. I, I'll listen to it in the car, maybe like occasionally. It's like on a longer drive or something like that. But I'd rather listen to people talking on a podcast on a long drive. Um, but yeah, I like this record. I definitely didn't have uh, as negative of an opinion as Joey did. Um, so Scott, I actually, you know, probably agree with you on this record because Scott's tipped his his hand a little bit. So, but in order to break up the monotony of a good review, um, let Rob, what what do you think of the record? Um, well, it, interesting. Like I, I did used to listen to this type of stuff growing up. Like I was into. Like, oh, you listened to it growing up? Oh. Yeah, like Neubauten and like early Skinny Puppy. Um, uh, this band like Square Pusher, Pal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Imminent Starvation, like these type of like Euro like kind of noise yeah, bands. What's that uh, Japanese guy? Munsana. No, the guy that was Yeah, Mertzbell. Yeah. So I grew up like listening to that type of stuff, and so um, I got into it just from working at a record store actually, and and I was the the goth and noise buyer actually, and the hardcore buyer at this record store. So I was like super into this stuff growing up. And, um, I don't know, for me, it was just kind of stuff that I, I, I don't have time for anymore. Like I don't have time to be like, Oh my God, I need to listen to ambient noise right now. Like I need to listen to what Tim Hecker is going to say with his hatred of music or the fog parts one, two and three. (laughs) It's just kind of like, like I don't have. That's, I mean, it sounds like ridiculous. I mean, I mean, there's. I'm sure there's no, people. No, it does dro- not sound ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sure there's people drooling over this record, saying you're a fucking idiot. Like this is the most genius thing to come out in 20 years. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But I mean, it just sounds like stuff that I used to listen to, and it's kind of like why I'm like a picky with even hardcore bands. I don't like every hardcore band that comes out. Like there's some that I like and some that I don't. Like so, another artist that's similar to this genre is like Perian, which is um, Dom from Cold Caves Band. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of like a noisy, harsh, yeah. And it's really good stuff, you know? So it's kind of like I compare to what Dom is doing to what Tim Hecker is doing, and I'm just kind of like, well, like, it's all, it's, like, I understand where he's coming from. Like, I totally get it, like, but, I, you know, he's kind of doing this kind of, like, anti-music type of thing, and and I I get it, but it was just kind of like, I 
don't have time for this in my life. Like yeah. with like work and bands, all the stuff I have going on. And it, exactly how Joey said, like that's something I actually put down in my notes. Like when are you going to sit down and be like, oh my God, I need to listen to this. Or God, traffic jam. I'm just going to put this on <laughs> while I'm cruising in my car. Sure. You know, it's kind of stuff you'd put on when you're vacuuming the house. Like it's just kind of this noise in the background like I, you know i don't know and it would just I, I, it wasn't interesting enough to me like it was just kind of very monotonous like and with this stuff to me you know when i hear bands like square pusher or like you know skinny puppy or neubauten there's so many interesting things going on and it's not just textured with this like white fuzz and hiss there's elements of like you know discordant you know symphony going on and and i i get it but this just didn't do anything for yeah. me. You actually brought up a good point. I would like to listen to this while vacuuming and try to get it to harmonize with the vacuum. <laughs> oh, that's good. It actually would fit. It's, and, it's, and your, your, it's, review, your review actually reminds me a lot, I mean, to echo a lot of Scott's sentiments where it's like, you know, he would never, like, whatever, last last episode we reviewed, like, New Lowe's record. And so it's like, you know, Scott, like, was like, this is inaudible for me. Like, I have no... It, yeah, it, it has no place in his life. So yeah, it's like, you can easily. I can. The parallels are obviously yeah. there, you and know? that's what's interesting because like I actually just got the new Lowe's record last week, and that does have a place in my life. Right, so right, like yeah. I totally <laughs> get it. Awesome. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's an incredible record. It blew me away, and I wasn't expecting anything from it. But I totally get where you're coming from. It's just it just depends. Like when you're in a certain place in your life. And, you know, it's not that you get a refined palate or that it's not that at all. It's just, you just, I don't know, for me, like, I just don't have the patience for for newer stuff like this. It's got to be mind-blowing for me to be like, I'm going to listen to this shit and I will invest, you know, 70 minutes of... Hatred one two three, fog one two three, well, and no drums and all this other all the other song tracks, you know, like it just. What about more like traditional um, instrumental bands, like what were we, Mogwai last week? No, oh, yeah. Is that the same thing? Yeah, like see, I love Mogwai. Like it's just more interesting to me, mm-hmm. like because Mogwai can run the gamut of being like this beautifully quiet orchestral type thing to just being bombastic and gnarly. Like I don't know, I just I don't know. Sure. Yeah, let's roll that into my review. I know, Scott. Um, so I think where Rob was talking about, where it has that didn't have a place in his life, it fits the hole perfectly in my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not the square peg in a round hole like Rob's is. It's the, the circle fits the circle in yours, like perfectly within like three millimeters clearance. Wow, <laughs> three millimeter clearance. I like that. I don't even know how to describe it, but basically, what I do, pretty much. Eight hours a day as I sit at my computer and I make computer code. And that train of thought and what I have to think about while I'm also listening to music or a podcast or the radio or something, this gets me in the zone so that I could think and, like, be one with my brain and, like, when I'm actually executing what I'm thinking, like, still intrigued and... Dude, that was was probably the most zen-like thing you've ever said. Super zen, but... I know. I don't like it. So when I'm sitting there listening to, like... Rotten hell, it's like, can't think. Like, too much stuff's going on in there. Right. But then when there's something that's like, like my brain's like 10% full, so I still can use some other parts of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely see, like, you know, for some people, like, I could see where it fits, you know? It, yeah. It, I don't know. It's like a, it sounds lame, but it's like a vibe. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a vibe. I, I think if you like or hate the record, it's a, it's vibe. a vibe. You can totally agree with that. Okay. But anyway, so in relation to his other records, I think this one is 
it's a lot more melodic and it's a lot more intentional. <laughs> yeah. Stru- like structured ambient. Like that's what yeah. there was- his old ones I would say are more like totally. I agree. Yeah. But this one has like some pianos, some elements of percussion like within the digital instruments and stuff. Um this isn't like my favorite type of that kind of music. There's there's a record that I had on my top ten last last year called The Site Below, which was like just four four beats basically with some ambient stuff on top of it. And this is like the, that without the beats. Okay. Got it. No, you don't have to. I, I can tell you feel ashamed, Scott. I do feel ashamed. Why? I, I, I can't be. I, look at all these guys looking at me in the room. No. What does he say? Because we're listening to you. I know. We're listening. Okay. Scott's not, Scott's <laughs> not used to three people looking at him at once. <laughs> What's happening here? Uh, so star wise, what would you give it, Scott? You ready for this? Five. Light five. Ooh. You're fucking kidding. Light five. Front runner for you, top ten. Why don't you tell fuck you, Scott? That's a fuck you, Scott moment. Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> what did you do, Scott? <laughs> Rob's an instigator. I like this. What'd you, I mean, star-wise, I, I imagine it's pretty irrelevant with you, Joey. It's no. Oh, no. Not even no. This record sucked. It's a one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can review. I can give this record a star. Fair okay. enough. <laughs> Rob? I, I would give it probably a two. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I get where it's coming from, but it's just not for me. Right. Like, you won't be listening to it. I'd also like to point out that this is by far the best record cover. Of all the records we've Oh, reviewed. he's about to show us on his iPad here that he got Listeners from Apple. It's, 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 Listeners at home. Yeah, fortunately we do a video this. podcast. Very, oh, wait, we don't. Oh, my God, it looks like a Get Up Kids record. <laughs> yeah. it's, it totally does. That's Wow. Yeah, that's true. I, that's I would the two-minute mile. Yeah, I would give it, uh, it's probably like a, a three-star thing for me. Like, I, I don't know how much I'm going to revisit it, but when I listen to it, it's it was cool. Three across the board. I know I am. Very Ray, flat. Raise MO. That's, Very flat. I'm gonna, it's, I'm well, gonna, it's one of those things that none of these, even though these records were all good, none of them were like, hell yeah, I'm going to champion the hell out of this thing. I have not found my top 10 record of the year so far. So I'm going to send Rob a mix every morning of what I'm going to listen to that day. <laughs> hey, Rob, here, here you are to wake you up. Yeah. I'm going to open up my computer. There's going to be a bunch of code, ambient <laughs> noise flying all over my screen. Sixteen, and I'm thinking, here's a kid who's gonna go places, and then somehow he just didn't. Tim Lippy didn't know where his life was going. I need you to go down to Cedar Rapids and prove Brown Star's a good outfit. Oh, sweet! But that was before Cedar Rapids. Incredible! There's palm trees. The whole place smells like chlorine. It's like I'm in Barbados or somewhere. This insurance convention is important. You can count on me. One thing: steer clear of Dean Ziegler. Don't stock my mini bar, please. And then getting some honey on your stinger. I love it. The animal. <laughs> What's the matter, friend? you never seen a chocolate vanilla love sandwich before? All right, next up will be our movie review. This week we are reviewing Cedar Rapids, uh, which debuted at Sundance to, I believe, somewhat glowing reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Miguel Arteta, who's done, or most recently, Youth in Revolt. Uh, and I, looking at his IMDb page, did some episodes of Six Feet Under, so oh, I bad. immediately like him more oh. than I did before. Uh, it stars Ed Helms, John C. Riley, and Anne Heche, probably the, the three main stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's actually got a pretty standout cast. Um, but yeah, Ray and I are the only ones who saw it, <laughs> so we will talk about it quickly. And yeah, Ray. Yes. Thoughts? I enjoyed the movie. It was the best word that I would, or two words to describe it. It's charming and it's real in the sense of, like, you know, it definitely has the whole, like, 
you know, indie movie vibe, like Juno, that type of stuff. Um, but not as like, you know, annoying, like sweet, like, Oh, that's so cute. It's like, you definitely have a sense that, you know, Ed Helms's character is, is, is a, is a situation that a person could be in, you know? Um, and so, and I thought it was definitely going to be more like riotous, like with John C. Riley's character being like, "Hey, I'm fucking crazy, dude!" At you know convention for you know sales insurance. It's like I thought it was going to be more slapsticky, but you know his character is important, but definitely not the like folk like you know what I, Ed Helms is like villain, you know? Yeah. What what I liked is how he was made out, you know, expecting to be this villain, and then. As the movie goes on, you start to like mo- like real moments come out of him. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it has. If you like any of those independent, you know, feeling type movies, that's like not not so pretentious, where you're just like, oh my god, like get get over yourself, you know. Um, yeah, you'd like this movie, and so I thought it was a, uh, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it as well. I mean, I there were some flaws. That sure. I don't want, you know, I don't want to go into like the spoilers, like stuff at the end. That, but that being said, I had, I went and saw it this morning by myself and I had a great time. I would see it again. No questions asked. I loved Ed Helms character. Um, yeah. Like his character arc, the way you see him grow is, I think, right. Is, is pretty cool. Um, Sigourney Weaver was in it too. And she was pretty funny. Uh, she was. Um, Mike Birbiglia. Oh, uh, I. So anytime glad. Mike Birbiglia is in a movie, I'm immediately sold. Yeah. Um, I love maybe from Rest of Development is in it as a prostitute, but it's just <laughs> it's just it was it's a good story. Awesome. Um, you know, Ed Helms is kind of this. I mean, he he travels from a small town in Wisconsin to Cedar Rapids, and it's his first time on a plane. Like he just he never leaves. Yeah, super, super Brown naive. Valley. Right, exactly. So he just has no clue what's going on. It's very, um, con- like, has, I don't know. I don't can't think of words. But <laughs> I'd, I'd have a hard time believing this movie because I heard people as I was leaving the movie being like, this is going to be, you know, like Ed Helms' breakout role. Like this is, you know, solidifies him as a movie star. And it's like, I, I mean – I guess you could say that just because he is the lead man and the movie is good. But, you know, I, I think I think we've only just started to begin to see what he could probably do as a, you know, a I th- I think comedic has, talent. I think he has a good career ahead of him. I agree. I agree. But I think he was a great, you know, he – John C. Riley didn't necessarily need to be in this movie. Yeah. He could have, you know, held the, the lead by himself. Yeah. And said just some other random dude. Yeah. As John C. But John C. Riley was great. He was pretty funny. Um it was, I really liked it. It was, yeah. And uh, the character of uh, Ron, uh, who's like the th- kind of the third guy that yeah. they all share this hotel room, is probably my favorite character. He was. He's pretty good. This, yeah, so funny. Yeah. So. Ro- Robin Scott, are you planning on seeing this movie? Maybe on Netflix. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> maybe on Netflix. I, I wanted to see it actually. I, I was supposed to go see it this weekend, this past weekend, but. It wasn't playing in San Diego, so yeah, unfortunately, I think, um, I, I think it's another week or two when it opens. Are they, I'm sure it'll start expanding. Are they not giving it the full push, or is it a? I mean, it's just it's tier. like the L.A., New York, and L.A., and then they'll, yeah, they'll push it out to the, you know, you know, a couple more markets, and they'll just, eventually, I think it'll yeah. get a full release. Then it'll get to San Diego. I'd I'd real I'd like to see this movie become like pretty successful because it's like the people that put it together are deserving of it, you know? And it's yeah, like, it sounds like I mean, it. I went at it's 11 in the morning on whatever day this is because yeah. I, 
Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. Um, and there was a lot of people there. I mean, not close to being sold out, but right. there was definitely people there to see it. The theater in LA is showing two showings or two has two theaters showing it. So uh, cool. There's definitely the interest. And I think it, yeah, very hip indie rock soundtrack. I, well, thank you for bringing that up. Fucked up is in the soundtrack. Yeah. Right? What? Really? Uh, they go That's to this awesome. party and the whole time I'm like, That's fucked up. <laughs> and then I actually sat through to make sure I wasn't crazy. And yeah. Fucked Up's in it. Oakerville River's in the soundtrack. Jawbox. Yeah. Uh, That's amazing. It, yeah. Very very cool. So. Yeah. And it, it wasn't so obvious as to be like, hey, here's Sufjan Stevens. And here's like all the, the atyp- right, like the atypical yeah. stuff you would expect for a movie. And again, it just goes back to the movie not being so like, oh, it's a precious indie. You know, it's like it it's had enough. It's not predictable. Right. It had enough like realism to it where it's not just like. People, you know, like how people say in Juno, like, people don't talk like that. Like, you know, how she addressed everybody. It's like, no, people don't speak to their parents like that. Every, everyone in this was uh, pretty believable. Yeah. And I surprisingly sure. actually liked Anne Heche's character. Yeah, she's and cool. Normally, I don't think I do. So. Cool. cool. Go see yeah. the movie. I would recommend it. I would, too. What would you give it? I'd give it a three and a half. This guy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, it's, a, it's over three. I'd probably give it a, a three and a half as well. Um, may, maybe a, a four. Got to be passionate about something, boys. Yeah. I fucking gave the bright eyes a four and a half, leaning towards potentially a five. Wasn't yeah. a five, though. Yeah. No well, passion. Rob, Rob batted that one down. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck I'm, all of you, then. I know. Uh, <laughs> You're cool, right? You, you can keep that three and a half, Joey. I won't judge. Thank you. That's your opinion. Nothing's wrong in people's opinions. <laughs> yeah. Except Rob's this episode. Except mine? <laughs> messed up this episode of first world problems is sponsored by melatov records residuals grief ep is available now from melatov and radical friends records we're listening to their song patriarch right now also keep an eye out for bone bears single-sided lp called life moves that's out this summer just in time for the european tour let's listen to the residuals now Now we are to the interview portion of the show where uh, Rob is kind enough to uh, sit down and answer all the hard-hitting journalistic questions that we have. As we are journalists. We are journalists. Journalistic. We are, we are heavy journalists. Um, so, yeah, again, Rob, thank you for coming to hang yeah, out with us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yes, because, I mean, we're... See? This guy is watching girls fight with pillows. No. Him and his damn iPad. No, no, actually, Scott's <laughs> looking up over my dead body videos right now, so... Is that your video? Yep, that's what I made. Oh, nice. <clears throat> um, what? <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> Nothing. He's just laughing. <laughs> jerk. Um, so, like, I guess a good place to start is, you know, kind of obviously what you're doing now, where... 
you've been able to, um, you know, transition yourself into like, obviously a real life, you know, you have full-time job, you know, what I found interesting and what a lot of people have, uh, difficulty doing is obviously like transitioning themselves from, you know, cause you toured pretty regularly up until like, when did you kind of die touring down? Um, probably like, uh, um, like late nineties. Like I, I kind of started, well, after I'm broken, I just like stopped kind of doing anything really like with hardcore. Like, I mean, I'd book shows and stuff here and there in San Diego and, huh. and things like that, but I wasn't playing in any bands. Like, I mean, I was doing kill holiday, but I quit before the first seven inch even came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know you were. That's right. I forgot that you were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to, till right now. <laughs> You're like, Oh yeah. Kill holiday. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I love the album on Rev, by the That's way. Awesome. It's and, a great record. And you were, because at that point, you were were you also doing the, uh, like, the you worked for Rev and doing Crisis for a moment. Yeah, right? I was working for Rev and doing Crisis for a while and, like, uh, signed, like, uh, Shy Halud, Will Haven, uh, Beta Minus Mechanic, and uh, Spark Marker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was really fun. Right, it was it was a, a good time. In my and that, life, that was was that that was immediately after Unbroken. It was like kind of like during like I moved up to Orange County during the last like six months. Unbroken was a band and uh, was working at New Age Silk Screening Shirts actually for a while because um, they lost their silk screener and I knew how to do it. Uh-huh. So I was screening shirts for New Age um, for a little while, and then um, Jordan and I just started talking. About records, and I was like, "What are you gonna do with Crisis?" He's like, "I don't know." I was like, "We should bring it back. Like, I'll start signing bands for it and stuff." And <laughs> that's how. And he's like, "Okay." And then I started working at Rev. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so and so the <clears throat> so yeah, you started you know obviously touring less and everything, and mm. you know because people have such difficulty transitioning from tour life into you know quote unquote real life, like finding yeah. a job, all that type of stuff. And I mean, clearly you've been able to do that. And then obviously, like where you're at in your life currently where you're able to, you know, be in bands but not have to tour incessantly. Yeah. I mean, I feel so privileged to be in the position that I'm in that, like, I can tour for two weeks and, like, break even. Like, none of us are in bands to, like, I mean, I don't know, some people maybe are to make money, but, you know, but at least with, like, Narrows and stuff, like, all we want to do is be able to pay for our way to get somewhere. And, like, that's it. Like... If we can do that, then we, you know, we try to do what we can do and, and, you know, when we can. And it's hard because everyone lives all over the place. But yeah, I feel completely honored and privileged that I'm in a position where I have a great full time job. I absolutely love my job. Um, but then I also have this other life that I can go on tour for two, three weeks, come back and work, and then go out on the road later in the year or go on vacation, like do whatever. So I feel completely privileged, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to do what I do. And part of it is because I, I feel lucky that there's labels that are interested in putting out stuff that I've done. And like, I feel really lucky like that because if it wasn't for labels like Death Wish or 3-1-G or, um, you know, New Age and all these people that have been. Um, so supportive and putting out records that I've been involved with and um, it's it's amazing you know and indecision of course as well mm-hmm. um, so yeah I just I feel really lucky was it difficult yeah. for you to kind of like did you ever have a oh my god moment where it's like touring started to die down and you're like what am I gonna do yeah absolutely because when I was with them broken like I didn't work the last like two years until I went to New Age to go do silk screening and stuff. I didn't w- work because we toured so much. And uh-huh. 
So, and we, you know, came home with money and stuff. So it was like, wow, like I actually don't have to work for like a few months and until the next tour, you know? Um, and that's pretty incredible. I think too, cause like, I think honestly, in the, in my opinion, like in the mid nineties is when bands were able to do what you're talking about, where it's like you guys, you obviously, you guys paved the way for bands that came in the late nineties and, you know, early two thousands to be able to like actually have the idea where it's like, Oh, like we can, you know, whatever, make enough money to last us until the next tour. Yeah. Was that, um, did that really surprise you guys when you first started going out? Yeah. I mean, everyone like had like little part-time jobs and stuff like, did you know, I worked at a record store like three days a week, like, you know, and, um, you know, and, and I, everyone else had like little jobs and stuff and it wasn't like anything like serious and we would just like quit, quit our jobs and right. Working yeah. like a bagel shop. Be yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Just, you know, crap jobs that weren't really like a job because you're only there two, three days a week. But yeah, I had that, oh my God moment. And like, you know, the late nineties, I was like, I'm not in any bands. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like I can't just book shows. And I kind of just had that moment and I didn't want to get stuck in that trap of being like 40 years old and going, oh my God, like going on tour and then coming back and then working at a bagel shop. I mean, that's great for some people. And some people, I wish sometimes I can live that life, sure. but I can't. Yeah, I have responsibilities and all these other things in my life that were said, well, I think I can figure out a balance of having a real personal life and, and do things, um, you know, with the career and all these and all this and that, but still have that balance to be able to play music. Because I think if I couldn't play music, I, I would I would be horrible. Yeah. I, I would hate it. You'd you'd be a pretty miserable person. I, I absolutely would. Be I a would. I, none of us would want to call you our friend. <laughs> After today, I'm not so sure. I know. I oh, yeah, that's great, that's, Joey. Thanks. That's, that's very true. I'm just kidding, Rob. Um, <laughs> the um, you know, I kind of wanted to hit on like uh, you're obviously the the past bands that you've been involved in just kind of you know one question on each of them um the thing that always strikes me i mean obviously i imagine it's very weird for you guys i mean obviously since i'm broken is you know doing shows you know periodically and stuff like that um and realistically you know life love regret is obviously such a touchstone for people um whereas like you know honestly like i personally i mean and i'm one of those people it's like you know it, it, the record means so much to me et cetera, et cetera, and it's affected me in many aspects of my life but I have a really difficult time explaining why, you know, it's like, it's just a very strange record in the, you know, hardcore history books. Like, um, you know, I don't know if there's any insight that you personally can share in regards to like what you like, you know, cause I'm sure people will ask you where it's just like, you know, what, did you guys know when you were making that record? And it's like, of course you didn't. Well, I mean, I don't think we knew until we finished the layout. That's when we looked at the package and was like, this is raw this is real like we recorded the record for six hundred dollars like in san diego no joke six hundred bucks like and in that time recording a movie there was fist fights and yelling and people dying and and like what the fuck are we doing like relationships building relationships falling apart so that record was real like the emotions the crying on the songs like all that shit really happened it wasn't we didn't go in with the plan of like let's make this emotional record it just we started recording we had the songs and the songs were like we thought were well and good the music music wise you know um i didn't write 
I never wrote any music from Broken. I mean, I just kind of played along. But we all wrote lyrics mm-hmm. to to the records. To every album or seven inch, like everyone had a hand in writing different lyrics. Sometimes I wrote a whole song. Sometimes Steve would write a song like lyrically. So we'd all share in like lyrical duties because we all had something to say. And when we were done. I mean, I remember we were mixing the record, and the next day, and I came in like all excited. I was like, I had this crazy dream, like about having this layout with three pictures with like the the from the movie Swing Kids. Sure. And and I remember Eric used to always write "Life Love Regret" on his chest when we played long before like this is like when before Ritual even came out, and I was like, it would be rad if we take that and call the record Life Love Regret and everyone was like, Oh my God, like that's cool and then we just kind of all started figuring out like what is the layout gonna look like and all and the theme of it. And I think when the total package was done we all sat back and were like I don't know if anyone's going to like this, but, but no, I mean, literally, no, that's yeah, how we cause felt. Because, I mean, you're 19, 20 years old going through these heartbreaks and, you know, emotional things. And, and you kind of like, is anyone going to care or realize, like, how much real blood and tears, like, went into making this record? It's It sounds ridiculous because it's just a punk record. But then when you think about what punk records have done for all of us in one way, shape, or form, like, you know, it makes you feel something. And when we saw the total package, we were like, holy shit, like, this is fucking real. Like, we made this and we felt something making it. And I think that's why people latch onto it because everybody hates, everyone loves, everyone cries, everyone gets together, everyone breaks up, divorces, gets married, whatever. Everyone goes through those things and that's what that record is. It encompasses our lives, our parents' lives, our girlfriends, our wives, our work, mm-hmm. you know, the foretelling of suicide, like all that stuff. Sure. Like it's all in that record. And I think us growing up, like we realize like i don't fucking care about like youth crew 88 and all this other stuff like i mean yeah i like some of those bands you know we all did growing up but it was like these guys just look like the guys that picked on me in high school like i don't want to be like this and like and so we just kind of like started just feeling this certain way and we're just like we need to talk about what we're actually feeling like yeah we're straight edge but like i don't fucking care about straight edge like i mean we we do but we don't you know it's just kind of like it's meaningful meaningful to you but not in the sense of like you have to wear you know letterman's jackets exactly it's just like wasn't us like and so we just kind of like you know the aesthetic just happened it wasn't like this planned uniform like you know and and we we'd always talk about like records and and what things meant to us and talking about like being broken hearted and it sounds cheesy but this was true like listening to morrissey and the smiths like you know or the cure or depeche mode and being broken hearted in your room and latching onto those records and literally cuddling right. cuddling with that jacket and the lyrics <laughs> and holding that shit and going oh my god my life's ruined forever mm-hmm. and that's just kind of like i think for some hardcore kids that don't listen to those bands because they're not hardcore don't know about them or whatever that record in some sense is kind of like those types of things where you can read it and go oh my god this is happening to me right now this girl just left me or oh my god i'm so happy like I, this person understands who I am, and so I don't know. I think that's why kids kind of latch. Yeah, yeah, it. no. I mean, that makes perfect sense. That you, you just kind of a long-winded answer. No. Sorry. Well, it's it, it, obviously since it's such a uh, you know monumental record for a lot of people. You know, it's not just like a one sentence. Like, oh, dude, there's sick mosh parts. <laughs> there are some sick mosh parts. <laughs> there, are, there are there are some sick mosh parts. <laughs> 
Um, and on that same token, like obviously since you guys have been back, like uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand that all the shows. And correct me if I'm wrong, but all the shows that you are playing, like you know, they go to uh, to benefit something, whether that's you know Eric's family or whether mm-hmm. it's like another nonprofit. Like, yeah. um, do you guys have an idea of like how much you know you've raised total in general? I mean, roughly, probably close to like. 20 grand for charity so i know like for fuck yeah fest like you know we got something like i think we got like ten thousand dollars to play fuck yeah fest and Mm -hmm. we have a friend of ours who had hodgkin's lymphoma um his um well his girlfriend a friend of ours john his girlfriend and john's an old friend of the band and was around from the beginning and just uh-huh. really nice guy and he's in this band secret fun club that has an album coming out on 31g it's instrumental gnarly as fuck if you like explosions in the sky mogwai that type of stuff oh, it's cool. your bag um but anyway his girlfriend had hodgkin's lymphoma and, and we weren't going to play any more california shows we were just like you know, we no, we've done it. Like we don't want to like wear out the welcome mat, and and because then it's just not special anymore. You know, so we weren't going to do anything. And and then we were talking about this New York show, um, and you know, we were talking about well, the New York show it's a whole year away, and she's got all these piling medical bills and this and that. And so we, um, you know, and Sean had asked us to play last year. We said, no, he asked us to get in this year. I'm like, well, first I said no. And then we came back like, okay, like if we do it, like this is what we want to do. So we essentially like paid for Dave's ticket, like a hotel, like a few other little things and then gave the rest of the money to her. So we gave her like eight grand or something. That's like, great. And so like, it's awesome. Now she's like taking this kind of like bucket list trip around the world and stuff. And so it's like awesome, Uh you know, that we can do something like that for Mm -hmm. somebody. And, um, you know, and for the London show, we gave Eric's mom the money. Um, she had no idea. Like she was crying. Like, and I also found his old amplifier, his old actually guitar cabinet that we recorded and tour with and everything. Like some random kid had it tracked that kid down, bought it from him and gave her the money and that cabinet his old Marshall cabinet. And she was like super psyched and, Jeez. you know, and then like the show for New York, we're actually, um, this show is going to be for, uh, Tommy love because of what oh, happened with him. Okay. So we're actually going to make an exclusive shirt with hellfish to be sold as well. So all the money from that t-shirt is going to go to the Tommy love charity and then money from the New York show as well. Sure. Is going to that. So, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, yeah, we have expenses and there's stuff we need to pay for, so we have to keep some of the money. But I would say probably like eighty to ninety percent of the money goes to charity. Like, well, yeah, I don't. No one's, know. no one's gonna. But judge, I, I mean, no, I, I, no one's gonna judge you based off that. I was the only reason I mentioned it was because it's like I know a lot of people don't. You know, when people see reunions, they have the immediate, you know, yeah, gut reaction of like, oh, that's cool. The guys obviously need to pay some bills, yeah. and so I don't think yeah. a lot of people. Some people know, but I just want to make sure that that was highlighted where clearly there's a reason yeah. why you guys are doing Well, yeah, I mean, it's the thing is, too, is like, yeah, like we have expenses and stuff, too, that we need to do when we do these shows. But for the most part, like a huge portion of this money goes to charity, yeah. you know. So, I mean, yeah, you're talking we got 10000 out of Fuck Yeah Fest and gave 8000 to a charity, you know. And same with the Glass House, like that show, after all the expenses of flying the bands out, hotels, rental vans, equipment rental, the whole, renting out the venue, security, <laughs> yeah. on and on and on, we still had like seven grand to donate to charity. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we have something that we can use for, for good and have fun at the same time. So we're like... Fuck it, like let's right. have fun, you know. Let's let's not let this hold us back for whatever reasons, like that people don't get together and obviously want to experience yeah. it again. So yeah. 
the you know you kind of strike me as like did you always play sort of the businessman role of your bands or <laughs> no <laughs> I just kind of fell into Strike it out. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean I remember I, I don't remember Todd and, and Eric used to have this joke because I knew a bunch of people and before they already had a band called Deadline or some Flatline or I don't, what, I don't remember what the band was called but Unbroken had a different singer and that, that kid was sing, singing for the band from, with this other band that they were doing at the time and they were kicking their bass player out and they are like, yeah, we, we want you to play because you know a bunch of people and maybe people will come out. And I was like, that's literally what they so said. Amazing. Yeah. The only, the only reason you're here while you're here is because you just knew people. Yeah. And I was like, well, I kind of know how to play bass. Like, sure, you know. How like, old were you at the time? Uh, 18, maybe. 17. Yeah, I was like 18 because it was about a year after high school. And... um so yeah, and then I just started playing, and um, I remember we did our tour in '93, and it was such a debacle. Like, I mean, the guy who booked the tour. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he maybe to this day claims otherwise, but that tour was crazy. We'd show up to venues, and then we'd be like, "Yeah, we're here to play," and they're like, "There's no show here tonight. Like, this is a bar." Like, we'd go to some other place, and and the guy'd be like, "Well, I can't pay you, but here's a case of Bud," and we're like, "We don't drink," and he's like, "Well, you could sell it to the kids. Like, they'll buy it from you for like a couple." bucks a can you'll make good money and we're like (laughs) yeah that's how our tour was and like luckily like far side was on tour somehow our tour it was unbroken and mean season and our tour and the far side tour just happened to meet up for like five dates in a row and we would show up to every venue and it'd be like you guys aren't playing but far side was so awesome those guys like basically begged the venues for us a few times to like let us jump on shows and get a little bit of money and stuff but yeah it was Hell, so on the next tour, I kind of, I just kind of kept a bunch of numbers and stuff from every kids I met in various towns, and I just sat at home and just started. I booked the tour myself, and that's how I started doing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's kind of, I just kind of fell into me. Yeah, you know, you, 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 you didn't use Gmail. I did not use Gmail. I was using fax machines and what, what are those? <laughs> fax machines and dialers. <laughs> that's how I booked the tour. I've heard, I've heard of landlines. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would go to Seven Eleven with a dialer that I actually bought from Scott Bybin when I was on tour. What, what is a dialer? It's like this old thing from Radio Shack that we used to do for um, disabled people that couldn't they couldn't dial the phone or so. I forgot what the purpose of it was so long ago. But basically, if you reconfigure the crystals in the phone, it makes the sound. It fools the the payphone into the sound of a quarter. Yeah, mimics the sound of a quarter. So you'd go to the phone and you hit the. Um, hang up button a few times it would make this dial tone and you'd push the quarters and it would accept it and then you just start making calls oh, yeah it yeah. was like free I only used it once yeah. but it was just like wow I can't believe that worked yeah so that's how I booked the Unbroken Tour in 94 I just used a dialer I went to a few different 7-Elevens <laughs> highly illegal they're like no Who, who's this Who's this Mexican kid hanging out for like four hours <laughs> on the phone <laughs> Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. yeah. So that that's kind of how that stuff kind of fell in my lap. Where like, you know, Steve and Eric wrote all the music, and everyone kind of had a hand in writing lyrics, and like I just kind of took it. Just yeah. kind of fell in my lap, and that's unfortunately to this day still falls on my lap with <laughs> most bands. All, all the logistics. Yeah. Um, would you ever want to you know like be in a position where you're making a living off of the band? You know, like has that. No, I mean, I, we've had insane offers, man. Like, 
Like people are like, well, fly you to Germany, play one show, $20,000. Or like this one booking agent was like, I can get you guaranteed minimum five to $10,000 every night in every major city if you do like a three-week tour. And you're just like, no, nah, like, <laughs> I mean, you can do it, I guess, but it's just like, I... I don't know. It's just hard. I don't know. I don't want to speak for the other guys. I know they might have a oh, different yeah, no, opinion no, on it. But just my opinion, I guess, is like it is hard to play those songs because there's a lot of emotional ruin tied up in those songs. And so having to exert that like – because it is a strangely negative energy when I play those songs for me anyway. It's, it, it feels uplifting and horrible at the same time when I'm uh-huh. playing those songs. And – and so having to do that every day, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I was just like, It'd be too emotionally draining. Yeah, it would be even worse to go through the motions. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's how I felt. Like, when we played Seattle, like, I felt bad because I we kind of were going through the motions because, like, you know, Brian from trial had just died and, like, we just went to his wake. And, and I was so fucked up. I was just kind of like, I just want to go home. Like, because yeah, yeah. it just reminds you of Eric. And, and I just, like, I need to get – I was so, like, I felt bad. I mean, I, I guess it went okay. Some kids liked the show. Some kids didn't. But I, 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 I liked it. But I felt very, like, kind of like I'm ready to go home. Like, because I just wasn't into it, you know? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, it is hard to kind of – find that emotional well to just keep dipping into you know but if you space it out at least for me like it feels like i can focus on it and have a good time yeah. and you it's, know it's a necessity more or less than you know just doing where it's like you could just obviously like you said see the cash and be like dude that's cool like you know i don't have to work for a few months but that's not obviously the point yeah i mean that's the thing and all of us have jobs and like for us it's more of a chance to like go and play places we always wanted to play and never got a chance to and then we know not everyone can afford to come out to california or go to london or new york or you know austin so it's kind of like people in that region it's a lot easier for them to go to so on the east coast like it's pretty cheap to get to new york so you know everyone can go to new york austin it's pretty easy to get to if you live in the southwest everyone can get to austin and yeah. you know that's why we're you know planning on trying to do some stuff in south america in september because like we know there's a lot of kids down there that are really into it but at the same time it's just kind of like you know how can they all, all everyone afford to come up so it's like easier to go there right you know play a couple shows and just kind of bring the show to people that might not be able to see it otherwise and, yeah. and have a good time and get to see south america for free you know right. like you yeah. can't say no to that no it's incredible <laughs> um sort of to wrap things up on my end of questioning um besides like we can obviously talk about narrows and some of the cool stuff you have coming up um you know, you're 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 older in the sense of you've you've been around. Yes, you've been I around have. the hardcore scene. Um, you know how how do you yourself obviously be able to keep you know the the quote unquote fire alive as it were? Where it's <laughs> like because obviously it's like a, this music is so wrapped up within youth culture. Where it's like yeah. you know once you hit a certain age, you're kind of technically supposed to start grow you know to grow out of it yeah. in some way, shape, or form, or like not care about the ideals that you learned and whatever, you know, you kind of yeah. give that up in some way, shape or form. But, you know, how do you feel that that's obviously informed you and you've been able to kind of keep it going where you care about it still? Cause yeah. I mean, because I think people are still doing interesting things. I mean, there was a period and I had the same conversation earlier with AJ when I was over at Hellfish, um, we were talking and him and Michael were like, yeah, it's crazy that you still like you know, in hardcore, it's like, yeah, I don't go to every show because I can't, like, and nor do I want to, you know, I just, I just can't anymore. But 
doesn't mean I can't still like listen to bands and, and keep informed and in what's going on in the scene. And like I said, I, like I was telling them, like there's still bands doing interesting stuff. Like just when I think like, all right, what else can possibly come up? Like, you know, a band like Touche Amore comes along or like All Pigs Must Die or Rotten Hell or New Lows. Like these bands come out and you're just like, whoa, where did this come from? And it was like that after I'm broken, I, you know, I did some shows here and there and, but the, I just wasn't wasn't into any of the bands. I just nothing like got me like oh my god. And then kind of like Bane and Hope Con and A N came out, and I was like holy shit. And like, over my dead body, don't forget that. Okay, <laughs> body. <laughs> yeah, over my dead body. <laughs> yeah, that was fun, you know. Yeah. But it's just different, you know. But yeah. but that's just the thing. It was just kind of like. Those bands came out and got me so stoked, and that's when it was like, I want to play in a hardcore band again. Yeah. And that's when I, I like those bands got me to want to play, you know, an over my body and and do that stuff. So I don't know. It's just kind of like there's always something every few years that shocks you into like this is why I got into hardcore in the first place. Like because there's something interesting. These bands have something to say, and regardless, I'm not some angry 19 year old kid anymore. That's like super political and all these other things, but there's still things to be said on an emotional level or in a musical level that I still connect with. You know, it's like the reason why Converge still exists, right? Yeah. Like some people say, oh, they should have packed it up a long time ago after Jane Doe. Like that's crazy. Like, <laughs> could you imagine if Axe to Fall or like You Failed Me like never came out? Like right. that would be horrible. Like yeah. <laughs> those records are incredible. Like, yeah. and it's stuff like that and you know and jake and trey and i have had this conversation too it's like certain records like that come out and they just blow your mind and it makes you feel like this is why i stayed involved in hardcore because there's still something good going on yeah you know and it's one of the few genres that i think you know that keeps me interested in a consistent basis you yeah know? so that's what i love about hardcore is like every seems like every few years it just not reinvent itself but it's like it goes through these lulls and all of a sudden just like like you said when Ann and, and Bane and like that whole era was like you know, I was when I was more into hardcore than ever. Yeah. And it was just like holy shit, like this is insane and Yeah. It's um, the best. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean and yeah, it just it, I just love that every time it starts to get, you know, dry or just kind of monotonous. People start to realize that, and something changes, and new bands pop up that it's a make shot, you excited. It's a shot in the arm. Yeah, and I, yeah. that's like you said, I don't think that can happen in any other kind of music really yeah um yeah i mean that's the thing it's like i said you know it's like there's this lull and then bands you know like ceremony and touche more and like you know some of these other bands come out and you're just and like nails like nails is fucking incredible and so it's just like you know i hear these records and i'm like god fuck man this is why <laughs> i knock it in? yeah like this is why i fucking love hardcore because here's a genre like either basically kind of doing that db like you know, Discord type thing, but they're making it their own and it's so fucking gnarly and so in your face and it's so beautiful at the same time. It's it's incredible. Like and that's the thing that like gets me so stoked that I'm still into hardcore, you know. What do you do these days to pay the bills, Rob? Uh I run the fraud operations for the US for a major mobile phone carrier. And what does that entail? <laughs> so essentially that entails me stopping people from using stolen social security numbers, stolen credit card numbers, stolen identities to buy phones to resell on gray markets, black markets, ship overseas for terrorist organizations. Wow. Or, awesome. So, yeah. So I've been doing fraud work for about 10 years. So wow. kind of when I stopped playing bands, um, I worked for a bank 
um, and kind of just fell on my lap doing fraud work because uh-huh. um, dot-com stuff was kind of new and burgeoning and um, they didn't understand why they would need a fraud team and why people would want to steal stuff on the internet. Uh-huh. But um, they learned pretty quickly and and me and this other guy, um, it's actually kind of funny, Kevin Murphy from Farside, um, I got him a job at this bank that we were working for um, and we started catching people stealing shit, like using fake documents and stuff to uh-huh. like prove identity or to prove income. And we're like, why don't you have a fraud team? And then a few weeks later, they're like, why don't you guys start it? So we started the fra- online fraud Was team. Was it a big bank? Huge. Wow. wow. Yeah, what's in your wallet is the slogan. It's not my bank, so I don't know what it is. It's no. Capital One. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, I left there to go work for a mobile phone carrier. And uh, and I basically do the same thing but for mobile phones. So I run the dot-com and the telesales side okay. for the U.S. Yeah. And that, is that, that's based in San Diego? No, it's actually based in Seattle. Um, oh, you, that's right. You lived yeah, in Seattle I, lived, I moved up there for three and a half years and moved back um, two years ago. Um, and I just work remotely. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. So are you, like, dealing with the authorities? And Yep, I deal with Secret Service, like, wow. local authorities, like, UPS security. Like, we've done things where um, Secret Service will dress like a UPS or FedEx driver and deliver a box. And when the so person awesome. signs for it, they just arrest them. Wow. And I've had to go to court a few times to, like, testify against, like, criminals and stuff. Uh-huh. Like, you didn't go to school to be a criminal? No, it just fell in my lap. I actually have a degree in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of fell in my lap, and, uh, and I, I got good at it. And so I'm to the point where I, I don't need a degree yeah. to to do what I do because um, I have 10 years in the online fraud prevention uh-huh. field. So That's a pretty good run. Yeah, so I got pretty lucky um, that I got in on it when on the ground floor. So, And I just learned how to do it. Well, um, yeah, Rob. We really appreciate you coming up. And um, is there anything you'd like to plug in regards to uh, Narrows as far as, uh, you know, I know you have a European tour coming up. Yeah, Narrows has a, sh- a tour coming up in May over in Europe. Starts in Prague and ends in Spain. And then uh, Sam Broken's playing in New York in April. No one can get tickets for that. Yeah, it's sold out. Sorry. <laughs> and then we're playing Austin in June. And that, I think probably for the foreseeable future, probably be the last U.S. show. Um, and then... Uh, Hopefully South America in September with them broken, and then I'm just like working on some other stuff. I was about to um, say you probably have some other musical tricks up your sleeve currently. Yeah, I was like working on this kind of goth band with uh, Gabe from The Locust and um, this guy Tommy who plays guitar and Daniel's from Overnet Bodies band uh, Northern Towns. And um, yeah, we had like six songs written and started off kind of like Bell and Sebastian sounding, mm-hmm. and then we kind of moved away from that and got like into like way more gothy like kind of like later Sam Haynes style sounding stuff but um, Christian death type stuff but Gabe moved to LA interesting transition yeah it's very interesting <laughs> very interesting but yeah so I don't know, I'm working on some other stuff like um, I have a friend of mine Jackie who's an incredible tattooer in San Diego and um, her and I are working on this acoustic thing and it's super fun like with both of us singing and um, we just recorded a pulp cover actually and we're going to record another song next week and see if we can get some labels to like want to put out a 7 inch or something so we're just like working on that and um, I don't know and that's about it like cool. working on a new Narrows album yeah I'm mad that you guys are due for another one yeah we put out that split 7 inch and 
Um, and we were supposed to record actually this past November, but due to uh, visa issues, Jody got turned away uh, by immigration. So that completely ruined everything. You didn't have a pull? Couldn't pull a card there? I couldn't pull a card there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of what cool. I have going on. Yeah, well, again, thanks, Rob. We appreciate you hanging out with us and dishing all your secrets. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was fun. <laughs> All right, that is it for today. Thanks again to Rob for coming over. Uh, follow all of us on Twitter. Scott is at Scott Arnold. We say your name every single time, Scott. Ray is at XPurposeX, and I am at Joey Cahill. Uh, we'll be back eventually, soon. We just don't have anything planned because we're professionals. Awesome. Yeah, just you wait. Just you wait. All right, that's it. Thank you. Bye.